everybody. My name is Esther Yang, and we have here Justice Luna. And good morning, Justice Na. Good morning, Esther. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for being here, by the way. And I know that it's still, you know, I know that you have trial later on, but I'm really glad that you're here on your, like, little mini breaks before we start anything. So let me introduce everybody about, we're going to talk about DACA. So let me introduce you about Justice Snack. I'm going to, uh, Justice Snack is an acting Supreme Court justice sitting in Manhattan. Justice Snack previously served as civil court judge and criminal court judge in Manhattan as well. And he's a recipient, oh, this is so uh, awesome, of President Obama's Silver Volunteer Service Award for his many years of pro bono service as an attorney for nearly 30 years. He's also a retired U.S. Coast Guard officer and New York State Court Guard officer and recipient of the Coast Guard Commanded Achievement Medal and New York State Human Service Award for his many years of volunteer service. The view expressed here are his own because he's a sitting judge and I want to talk to him about DACA. He's actually, I would just remind everybody, he's actually an auxiliary right a retired so maybe you can talk about that what it's like to be um, before we do anything I think maybe talk about why did you choose uh, being a lawyer why did you choose legal field where you can be a doctor or anything else I always find that very interesting first of all Esther I want to tell you what a pleasure and honor it is to be with you and with your viewers uh, you've done so much for children around New York City and all communities Thank it's really you. an honor to be here um, you know, it's funny you mentioned doctors because all my cousins are doctors. So, so the the reason I became a lawyer is because um, of uh, my experience with my parents. Uh, they uh, had gone through such difficulty in their lives. My dad uh, was a Holocaust mm. survivor and had much of his family um, uh, killed during the war. Uh, my mother uh, was an American. Uh, but she had great difficulty growing up during the Great Depression uh, and so forth. Growing up in my parents' home taught me, they taught me principles about uh, whenever you have uh, any opportunity to help another human being, to give another human being a leg up, a step up, do it. And they themselves were, were they would have been happy with anything I would have done in my life, but they themselves were very proud and very happy that I chose the law because the law gives a particular opportunity uh, for people to help folks in need. So it's been a wonderful career, and uh, I look to my parents as my inspiration. And you've been a litigator for, like, a long time, correct? And how many years? I mean, it's like, what, 30 years you've been a litigator? It was 30 years uh, in, in, in a, a very wonderful career that I had as a, uh, as a lawyer practicing commercial and corporate litigation in New York. Um, and I always had the desire to become a judge because I feel, Esther, that the principles I just uh, mentioned, there's so much greater opportunity as a judge where you can uh, you know, help a, a, a vast array of people in the community as a judge, uh, hopefully making good decisions that help the communities. Uh, and uh, you know, so what I would say is, I said to myself, I want to be a judge, but I want to be ready for it. You know, I don't want to jump into something right, like that. Right. So I made a career out of the law, and when I felt I was ready, that's when I um, when, when I ran to become a judge. And it's just a wonderful experience to be able to help communities in that fashion. So, so just so the viewers know, 
uh, being a judge is actually making less money than being a litigator. And so I really admire you for giving up your uh, practice as a litigator where you can make more money and in private practice and private law firm than, um, than being a judge. Because a judge is like, I don't know, like literally less, less money and just doing a public servant for that. So I wanted to bring you up because like that's like a lot of issue as a, uh, being as an immigrant. I mean, obviously your parents were immigrants. Your dad was being a Holocaust survivor. So I want to talk about this issue about DACA. Like some people call it dreamers. So can you just um, briefly like said what is DACA means and uh, why we're having a problem right now? What's the issue really? Absolutely, Esther. Uh, you know, you mentioned dreamers and you mentioned DACA. I will explain the relationship between the two. DACA is an acronym, D-A-C-A, -A, it stands for uh, a, uh, a law called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And I think your viewers will understand it better when, after I explain. DACA is a U.S. immigration policy that was implemented by President Obama, uh, who issued an executive order back in 2012. And what it does, Esther, it allows certain undocumented people under the age of 31 who were brought here to the United States when they were under 16 years old. It allows such people to apply to receive a renewable two-year period of deferred action from deportation mm -hmm. and to be eligible to obtain a work permit. So what that means is um, under the Obama administration, an executive order was issued that said, look, if you fall into that category and you've been basically a child growing up in the United States, um, we will defer or the federal government will defer any, any deportation action for two years, renewable, to allow you to obtain a work permit. Now, the qualifications are as follows. Like I said, you have to, the person has to have an unlawful presence in the U.S. Uh, before their 16th birthday. They have to have lived continuously in the U.S., since uh, uh, that time, has to be have to be under 31 at time of application, and etc. Um, now you mentioned something about dreamers. Right. Allow me to explain. There was a push. There was a bill to push what was known as the Dream Act. It's not DACA. Mm. It's it's something that would be like more expansive than DACA. Right. And I'll the Dream Act tried to do more. The DREAM Act tries to grant full legal status mm -hmm. to young immigrants residing in the U.S. In other words, it was a pathway to permanent residency in the U.S. And a pathway to citizenship, too. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, because some of these kids, it's not their fault that, that their parents took them, and, you know, so, so they're stuck in the U.S. and being, like, being in a limbo. The legislative history... Um, uh, the congressional legislative history reflects what you just said right. uh, in terms of, of course, the, per the, the, the um, legislators who promoted uh, the, the bill. Now, the bill uh, made its way through Congress but ultimately did not pass. Again, the Dreamer bill, uh, uh, the Dreamer bill, had it been signed into law, would have, as you say, been a path to permanent residency and citizenship. DACA and again, it did not it did not pass. However, however, um, by executive order, we do have DACA, uh, and what DACA does is it doesn't guarantee anything, but it allows you to apply. It allows 
folks that fall into that category to apply for a work permit and, you know, take it from there. So, uh, you know, DACA doesn't go as far as the DREAMer Act wanted to go, but it does provide, you know, a certain measure of, uh, of uh, relief to folks that are seeking that kind of relief. Now, to illustrate how popular DACA had become, um, statistics that I have looked at tell us that in the first four years of, the, of its existence, about 800,000 DACA applications were filed. Mm. Um, now, so that is an overview about DACA. Uh, presently, what is the status of DACA? Well, there has been a lot of litigation in the federal courts right. about it. Uh, do you think your viewers would like to hear a little about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they would. But I think before that, I just want to introduce everybody. This is Justice Lunak, and he doesn't have, uh, he's not a federal judge, so he doesn't have issue about immigrants or DACA in front of him. So this is why I want to ask, I want to ask your honor about questions about DACA. And, and you know, just, to, just to be clear, because I myself am confused and you know, I think you are the best person to explain it to, and also you have the biggest heart, right? Because we, we can, um, as a child of Holocaust survivors, I think you have the empathy to see what immigrant is going through right now, and this is such a, a confusing time uh, for my, for some of my viewers, for some of my viewers anyway. So if you like the channel, I just want to tell them, if you like the channel, make sure you subscribe, make sure you put like, and make sure you uh, click that notification bell so that when we have other informations about that we do on a weekly basis, because I believe that as we educate ourselves, we educate others. So yeah, the viewers would like to know, so we have close to a million applicants. That's what you're saying. So now now what? Because what what's happening, because I know there was, the, there was a, the issues with the, within Texas. So can you just uh, tell us more about that? what happened so this is a federal issue so uh some some of you are maybe like confused so there's a there's a state judge there's a federal judge so the federal judge deal with immigration and but anyway do do tell us more about about this issue that's what's happening for in texas of course esther thank you um now here's the the thing since um since a little after the uh, initial implementation of DACA back in 2012, there has been much federal litigation about um, about the DACA executive order of President Obama. And uh, you know, there was a time when President Obama, when when the uh, executive order was um, desired to be expanded to include um, to include uh, folks who were. Uh, to expand the scope of folks who could apply. Right. Um, and, you know, that spawned a whole host of federal litigation. But to the extent that right now uh, there there is a very recent federal district court decision out of the federal district court in Texas as recently as July 16th of this year. Wow. Where the, yeah, where the federal district court in Texas actually held that DACA is unlawful, and the reasoning of why the court, that particular court, um, came to that conclusion, that court felt that the uh, executive order uh, under the Obama administration in 2012 
creating DACA violated a different federal law called the Administrative Procedure Act, the APA. That act, hmm. um, that act uh, governs what procedures federal agencies can use, uh, have to go through to implement policies. In this case, it would be the Department of Homeland Security or the United States Citizenship and Immigration Service, USCIS. So the federal uh, uh, judge in Texas concluded that uh, the, the executive order in 2012 violated the APA, and he actually held that the law is, the DACA law is uh, unlawful. Now, interestingly, though, Esther, the federal district court created a dichotomy. What it did was it said, look, folks who already are in the DACA program, meaning that their DACA applications have been approved, their status will not be disturbed. However, anyone who falls into the category of DACA and applies now, those applications are blocked. They will not... Uh, go forward. That's the current status, which obviously creates you know, a problem. A certain, a certain well, uh, I would call it a certain uncertainty yeah. for folks that otherwise would fall into the DACA categorization. Because it's um, not their fault, right? Because if the application is approved, that's another thing. But if the application is being reviewed, especially during the pandemic where everything shut down, everybody works remote, um, so then now what? Well, with um, this, this this confusion, there there is definitely uncertainty with regard to folks who, under the DACA um, uh, criteria, fit the criteria. But because of this recent um, uh, Texas federal district court decision, uh, are now are now blocked. Uh, you know, to compounding the uncertainty is I, I would mention. Back in December, a federal district court here in New York actually did the opposite. Uh, the Eastern District of New York said uh, that the uh, government uh, agencies have to, uh, uh, you know, uh, entertain uh, new DACA applications. So you can see, Esther, and your viewers can see how much in flux this entire issue is. I will say this. Um, uh, the news has reported that under the current Biden administration, right. uh, the current Biden administration has announced its intention to appeal the Texas federal district court decision that I told you about that just came out July 16th, and the administration uh, wants to you know, try to get that reversed and put it more in sync with what I just described the, uh, From the Eastern. federal court did. Now, that, that appeal would go to the fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which the territory there is is Texas. So obviously, I would just conclude by saying, yes, you're right. There is a state of flux right now. There is a state of uncertainty right now, and we won't know the end of that story uh, uh, until these legal issues work their way through the courts. So yes. So uh, then, President Biden is going to try to appeal it, and then we're going to go straight. Then after that, uh, will that goes to the U.S. Supreme Court? Well, you know, uh, we, we, uh, no one can ever predict the future, but I think there's a good chance that it might. Okay. So then if it goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, and then we will see, and I think we will all play, like you said, it will all play out, and everybody else, for way or, 
if you are DACA or Dreamers and if your application is you know being approved or being reviewed and I think what we uh, I want to just put it out there to just have faith and have hope and stay strong and for New York City it's we have like over 8 million people and the majority of it are the people of color you know like the majority of this um, um, minority and we're all immigrant at one point so I just want to have the viewers to have that and Justice Lunak I want to thank you for being on our show thank you for clearing finance for DACA and educating us about it this is of course just for the viewers to know this is all Justice Lunak his own expressions of view um, because I asked him to like if he could comment about what DACA is, where do we go, because I know a lot of the viewers were asking questions for me, and I thought, you know, the best person would be just to ask Justice Lunak, because I think you're very brilliant, uh, being a litigator for like 30 years, oh my gracious, I mean, that's really a long time, and have so much things under your belt, so I want to thank you again for being here, alright, if you forget, don't forget to like, subscribe, and, and do the bell. Esther, it's a pleasure to be here. I would just add, I'm yes. here just to educate. You know, as a sitting judge, it's not my purview to express policy. I'm just here to educate your viewers because you provide such a wonderful forum for education, and it's a pleasure and honor to be with Thank you. Thank you. And, and just one last thing. Is the court open now in New York State? Uh, so the courts are beginning uh, beginning to blossom open yes. uh, for a very long time. The public was not allowed in, and we were doing uh, court uh, hearings by uh, remote. But now I'm happy to say that slowly but surely we're beginning to open. In fact, as you mentioned in the beginning, I'm on trial, and I have, I have lawyers and jurors and folks coming in. So let's hope, uh, everybody, that we can look to the um, – sunlight at the end of this dark darkness that we've had everyone, yes. everyone should be healthy and happy and uh, let's work together uh, for to do good things always. Thank, thank you, you so much Justice Nat. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you.